podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm Majestic. My brother, Justice Raji. Man, so I wanted to slide in. So a couple, I guess a couple weeks ago, um, the uh, 50th anniversary of uh, or of the release of Talking Book passed. And and then some other things happened, uh, music-wise, that we're going to get to uh, joining this conversation with uh, Nas's recent release. King's Disease 3. And so, you know, as as uh well stated, uh, supporters of, of of all things Stevie Wonder, or at least, you know, me. Um yeah, I, I, I mean I was listen, I was with him into I was even with him past Don't Drive Drunk when he did that uh <laughs> we did that song for drunk driving. I was I was with him until then. <laughs> now look, man, and I and I didn't know till later, but like the but uh, there's some joints like on the jungle, the jungle, uh the jungle fever. Oh no, jungle I fever, yeah. I mean these I three I mean, yeah, these three words it got some funk joints, yeah, yeah. You know, Stevie always, you know, he's like, Oh man, Stevie out here, Stevie playing games with you too, because he'd be having all them anyway. I'm I'm just gonna stop because Stevie Stevie's a cold piece, but talking book, um, which I, I think is the is sort of the the part the, the the point in in Stevie's you know creative path, you know what I mean when he sort of diverges from the like little Stevie Wonder the like the solely poppy soul pop you know what I'm saying kind of factory process of 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 Motown into like you know, this is what Stevie be thinking about. You know what I'm saying? Kind of record. Like, you know, Stevie went on a journey and then he, he came back with Talking Book and said, and then, you know, and then he, that follows with, you know, several, you know, uh, well-known records. So I didn't totally think about like the exact entry point besides it being 50 years to talk about Talking Book. I mean, besides like, man, how's 50 years? I mean, I guess I was, yeah, I was, I wasn't born when it was out, but I am close to 50, so that makes sense. You was a, gl- you was a glimmer in your father's <laughs> eye and your mother's dancing. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> Nobody else. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess what's just what your first thoughts thinking about just the, the, that time. Yeah. Well, again, much like yourself, you know, I, I think about the context of the album and like the actual cover and like that brown cover that looks like Dune, right? It was like a it was like a black Dune cover. Like it's him on the front and got his braids. His braids are perfect, actually. <laughs> it's like one of the things too, like, oh man, Stevie's 
Stevie wasn't playing. Like Stevie went from, you know, kind of little Stevie doing his thing. The next thing you know, he, you know, some sort of cliff in the Hollywood Hills. You know what I mean? Uh, right. With, yeah. an Af- with an Afrofuturistic look on. You it's know what I mean? Like I said, it's like a black. You got like a it's like the Black Doom. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, yo, you know, this is the future, Jack. Um, and so, you know, just that cover for me is one of the most striking. Um, you know, you you see a lot with like Blue Note and the jazz covers, right? And like, you know, how we feel about the jazz covers. And you don't think about Motown like that because to your point, uh, like about this idea of the factory, that all of it was good, but it was all kind of quite disposable, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and talking book, even in the in the cover, I mean, you got in my mind that came before it, which was the kind of inference that something was about to change. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like it was it was the the calm before the storm. And talking book was like the storm from the from the actual cover on, you know, and that cover was like the cover that I just remember that was like prominent um, in my mother's house, along with that Patty LaBelle cover when she's walking with the dude uh, down down the uh, street. Oh. And you yeah, got the yeah. suit on, and yeah, remember, you know that cover I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, when you're black, it's just, it's just certain covers that be in your house that, like, are just part of your background and part of your, your historical context. And, and Talking Book was one. So, one, just the, the visuals, um, I think, were, were so important. And, again, this lending to, as you said, uh, Stevie Wonder growing up. Um. And obviously some of the background and history of, you know, what was going on was also that shift of Motown when Motown left, you know, Detroit, went to California. And a lot of these artists got older. Right. I mean, you know, a little before that, you get your Marvin Gaye, you know, what's going on, which was his shift. Right. And, you know, you and I have talked about this and you have folks all over to talk about the both, you know, Marvin and Stevie having these classic periods. Right. But that's also these artists maturing and evolving past the factory, right. And creating like their own sound. So that that's the first thing that really struck me is the cover, um, the process that he was going through and then also kind of what it represented in community. Um, I guess, you know, you know, we can, we'll talk a little bit about the fact that in the, the past life when we were artists, um, we sampled music from it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just wanted to, I guess, get a take from you. From a musical perspective, what are the things that uh, that kind of hit you? Well, it's like, you know, I I, I, always, I like to, to tap into even like the way you, the way you under, understood like music that I liked, right? As a kid and like you. So, so I knew the, um, songs in the key of life right and and only because it was played so much and like the cover was out so like i didn't always know where the other stevie wonder songs were at <laughs> like you would hear them on the radio or something like oh that's stevie wonder right. my mom that's stevie wonder right oh yeah that's stevie wonder right. i'm like oh, all right i like stevie wonder and be like where's that record i don't even know what that is and you know you know i had sort of had permission to play the records at the house and then I don't think I totally have permission to just play records at the house. Like it was sometimes like those are the records that y'all could touch. 
these other ones, you need to let you know. That's right. <laughs> don't don't just put these records on. Yeah, you know. You don't put this. I'm like, Mom, can I put this on? You know what I'm saying? She's like, yeah, you can put it on. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm good. Right. So, like, the discovery of like listening to Talking Book as a, as a, as a as a record. I mean, you know, you got you know everybody sunshine in my life. You know, probably everybody know that. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like how you say that. Like, like you know, you you could easily listen to that, and you ain't really had to know nothing about Stevie Wonder. You could just Sunshine of my life, and you always eh, sing stuff. I mean, it's a good song. I'm just saying, for people, if you, if you, if that's the song, that's the first song you tell me about, you know what I'm saying? Then, like, the next song is probably going to be, you know, like, uh, what's, you know, something else from the, uh, from the Motown age that, that right. is pretty easy to sign, seal, deliver. Like, yeah, I know you know that one. Like, but when you get into like, maybe, maybe, maybe your baby. Yeah. Like to come because you could the sunshine of my life. Then right after that, it's like maybe she, maybe this ain't working out. <laughs> maybe, maybe Again, it was out. like him. It was him getting into some other complicated spaces that Stevie wasn't into them spaces. But he he started touching on and bringing different stuff in that he wasn't. I mean, to your point. Yeah. And then he went directly in back into like we together, like you with you and I. And then he went right back out, like man, heartbreak. You got a bad girl, like you out here. You, whew, it's, it's you got the, you got that mojo on you. And then you know you got superstitions, mud stuff. You got mm. the sun. I mean, superstition is a is an ill song. The more you listen to it, like you can you could just kind of jam with it, like it's like it's a funky jam. But you know, you know, you don't believe in things that you don't understand and you suffer. Whew. Superstition. That's the way. Like, you know, what what is a more prominent, more important message, especially when you're thinking about the condition of black folks in the 70s, you know, in that stage of the civil rights work and era, you know, also mm. been doing the knowledge to the to the to the covers, like even though there are covers before then where you can clearly see that Stevie Wonder is black. Like these covers are more black covers. They're like absolutely got the mirror frames on and on music of my mind. This one, like I said, he's he's somewhere in the desert in a meditative, you know, engaging with the with the with the with the with the turf with the altar with the God. Ground. You know what? That you know. Let me just say this real quick. That that shit was like mystical to me, man, as a kid. Because it's like, you know, you see records and they're like Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. <laughs> right? it's like, Dude, brothers in suits. Look at the brothers in yeah, the suits. Four brothers in suits standing looking at you, right? Like, okay, cool. Or even, you know, I want you. Um, you know, you see these records, and it's like, okay, Ernie Barnes. Okay, I get that. But then it's like, wait, again, married, you know, uh Larry Page Pay LaBelle. Like, okay, she's walking down the street with a you know, handsome gentleman, right? They're going to see some shit, right? Going to the show. Going to the show. This is different. This is like, what kind of mystical thing is Stevie Wonder doing? Stevie going, you know what I mean? That's it. What is he going through? Like this is this matches like all right, you know, just feel like about to go to some of these restaurants and eat, you know, proto vegetarian food in the black community, like. <laughs> you know, like, like robotic diet or something like like God, yeah. this, that cut back on the salt, brother. You gotta watch God. That. that that definitely looks like you need to cut back on your salt. <laughs> and so you have these these. I mean, you know, in a sense, these songs that are all 
I mean, for the most part, about love and, and heartache and, and 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 redemption and and maybe it ain't going the way you think it is, but then also maybe it's totally going the way you want it to be, and you know, you know, complex, you know, love and emotions. You know what I'm saying, and it's you know, it's in a very, I would say, it's it's not a like, baby, baby, please, baby, understand type of energy. It's 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 like you know, it's you know, some of it's like you know, you and I is definitely you know, I know for. For a certain era, uh, that was the they would say one of them wedding songs. You know, you go to somebody if you went to somebody's wedding as a kid in the '80s, it's a good chance they played you and I. You know what I mean? When you was in there in the suit and you 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 just wanted to go home, but that was your your cousin or your aunt or whoever, some relative that was old enough that you had to go and you couldn't get out of it. And you had a clip you on. Went, I, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like walking up the aisle or something. You know what I'm saying? Or, like Jet Magazine, you know what I'm saying? Like Jet Magazine, the, the couple song was you and I when they walked out the out the, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a it's a it's a it's a space that I wonder, you know, I wonder, you know, I know, you know, because I got you know values and morals, you know, my children are familiar with the catalog of, of the one Stevie Wonder, you know what I'm saying? I don't know other people, you know, you need to get to get get to work on those sorts of things, but I would wonder <laughs> some of the young people would maybe hear these songs and how would how I don't know how they would orient to them with the way we talk about love and relationships and heartache and stuff now like I mean we definitely got plenty of talking about heartache and songs but I feel like the structure I don't know it ain't it ain't like this <laughs> well I mean that's just, I think that speaks to the songwriting too right and you know this whole reality of like Stevie Wonder writing songs and like you know you know that goes to that whole you know Shaq saying Stevie Wonder can see you know in that whole bit right <laughs> you know you know I, I'm that's not I'm not here to talk about it if if he can see again okay, that's not where we should be however like the relationships like you know the songs he did with Sarita um which I think are like really important. And then like the writing and even in some of the articles, you'll see how like he would like put stuff together and then they would like say stuff to him and then he'd say it. And just, just thinking about how you put these songs together and the complexities of what he was trying to present, you know, um, as much as we love to chronicle the soul music and the R&B music of the early seventies, you know, with, you know, the Delphonics, Blue Magic, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. A lot of this, this soul songs coming out, right? They were relatively one-dimensional. I know that sounds like heresy. <laughs> I don't even know how I like saying it. But <laughs> they were relatively one-dimensional in, like, the love. It was like, I miss you. Yeah. Girl, I know I messed up. Come back home. <laughs> right like it was my bad and then the other songs was normally like come on brothers and sisters wake up right you know <laughs> oh, get in here and be in love you know what i'm saying yeah join in the love because the love needs to be happening yeah i mean gambling huff right like you know it's kind of like hey girl i miss you get yourself together clean up the ghetto you know what i mean it was a, it was a structure <laughs> i mean there were there were there were deeper themes oh you know no one should misunderstand there were really deeper themes to gamble and huff but i mean it was something that people could pick up relatively easily i think stevie like marvin gay kind of went to a place where the music got a little more complicated like it was heartbreak but it was you and i it was maybe it was you got it bad girl and if you feel like this and you got me 
well, you got it good <laughs> at the end of the album. Right. Right? Yeah, the so like, well, you got it good, girl. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I think he brought some complexities. One of the things, one of the big things I wanted to to talk about and reflect on is that it also was one of the first albums that like it's a black album. It's not explicitly an R&B album. Yeah. There's jazz involved. There's like gospel-esque involved. There's some real foreboding kind of like damn near, like you and I is almost like intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like the singing and the structure. I, I don't know how many songs before were made like that. Yeah, and he and he's doing the stuff with the with the with the with the, with the synthesizers and the with the synthesizers. Like, I mean, he's doing doing shit with his voice. He's he's making this sound different. This doesn't. This isn't the lush MS uh, MFSB music. This isn't some of the Detroit stuff we're used to. This is this is a mix. So it's jazz, it's gospel, it's pop, it's country, right? Yeah. You know, choosy heartbreak, choosy heartbreak. You know what I mean? Like, it's everything, dog. Like this shit is it's all there. I don't even know what instrument that don't that's what I'm saying. It comes on, you know he's listening to you know he's influenced by Charlie Pride. You yeah. know it. You listen, and superstition is just straight funk. It's just it is just, you know, but it's them, it's the synthesizers. Right, yeah, and it's that it's that song that is the upbeat song. It's kind of like you know what it feels like. It was a part in hip hop where, like, you know, like the raucous era where, like, uh, Yasin Bey and them and like Pharrell Monch had to do like a commercial song, <laughs> and then they had all the other songs on the album. Right, right. <laughs> they had to do one one song to break cast, and they did that song. Yeah, it was like this is stuff I want to do. Then I'm gonna do this song with the beat that goes like this because you know that's what because somebody got to sell this shit, right? So <laughs> and that's what I feel like. Superstition, even though I'm sure Superstition was clearly a song that he, you know, they made and it was in, you know, part of kind of the portfolio and part of the ethos. The album is so broad; it is this first album that kind of confounds the rhythm, which is, you know, not trying to compare him to Marvin Gaye, which is totally different than when Marvin Gaye started coming out and every beat sounded the same, right? It's kind of like right. a dancehall album, right? It's like one whole record, like, yeah. Like you know, yeah. So, so, so Marvin and HDH crew, they go everything sounds the same. Stevie got everything sounds different, which is, I think, you know, in, in, in folks who listen. If you find out an artist who did that before Stevie Wonder on Talking Book, I would love to com- compare and contrast notes because I really think it's the first album that you just be like, well, what kind of album is it? It's a black album. It's not just R&B. Yeah. It's not just get jazz. It's not just gospel. It's not just country. It's all expressions of where he was. And I think that that still lives on in so many artists of people acknowledging that even 70 and 72, you had an artist that was willing to kind of break with convention, but all of it sounded normal and natural to the black experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like none of it, when you listen to it, you know how black folks will go sometimes like, oh, that, that ain't, that's some white shit. Right. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> like, that. Yeah, yeah. He took the, he, that last song is a Beatles song, man. 
<laughs> right, it is. That's a Beatles song done like the Beatles would do it. But he did it in a way on on an Afrofuturistic cover with him looking off into the sky with a, with a tunic on. It made it all make sense. So I, you know, I think it's a testament to the possibilities of black music mm-hmm. in ways that for a long time we limited or we allowed people like him or Derek or Prince to have their way with. Yeah. yeah. Like we only allowed certain artists to have their way with like that full range of expression. And they usually just had to break all of our conventions and then we were okay with them. Kind of like people in your family who just do shit and be like, Oh, okay. All right, well. So then, <laughs> all right, well, his shirt's open. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know, <laughs> three button down. Uncle, your uncle with the yeah, he got three buttons open. It's like, you know, like, okay, well, he's already, you know, broken the plane. So I guess just go whatever he does coming in here is, yeah. <laughs> go ahead and get his plate. <laughs> just go, go ahead and get his plate because he's already, like, he's already crossed the Rubicon, right? <laughs> of what we understand. I, I do think that, that, that Stevie Wonder on Talking Book began the process of crossing the Rubicon um, in which I argue he continued all the way through. Obviously, you know, we always make fun of the secret life of plants, but it's not fun. But it's like, you know, at some point, a motherfucker makes music about plants. Yeah, he, he, he made a hard pivot, like, into doing something else. He went deeper. He went like, it was like, I thought I couldn't go deeper into some stuff I was thinking about. <laughs> Here I am, going deeper. You know what I'm saying, and y'all come with me. But it, it raises something, though, God, that. Because you know, someone that asked me a question about like the current relevancy of black music, and I think you know, oddly enough, would bring us into the other part of the conversation. But like, you know, I, I, in a weird way, we are back to a place in music where like an artist, like you know, it's like it's Stevie Wonder. Like, is it R and B? Is it jazz? It's Stevie Wonder, right? And you know, Stevie Wonder was able to be that, and like you know, I mean, there's only a couple artists to my in my mind. You know, Stevie Wonder, Prince, I mean, even Michael Jackson, like, they are their own category almost, even though they're part of yeah. these other, you know, genres of music. Um, you know, I think you you, you could, uh, you could make the case for like an Aretha Franklin at some level gets gets into that place when you start to work through the catalog. Um, uh, why can't I? I'm I'm, look, I'm just looking at her name in my in my face, and and I can't say it. Uh, Everybody saying David did Davenport just say it? No, 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 no. It'll come back in a second. I'll go. And, uh, what's the name? Tried that sister tried to play her in the movie, and everyone was mad because it was terrible, and they put the prosthetics on it. Well, I don't know why I can't say you know some oh. names. Um, yeah, I mean, so when you say that, you make an interesting point. You know, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on Michael. No, 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 yeah, we're not gonna do that. Though. But I, but I do think it's something interesting because with Aretha, I think Aretha and Michael Jackson are kind of in similar places of like Aretha obviously was in control of her career. <laughs> and everything and everything about her makes clear she was in control of her career. 
and and you know, but you you get Michael and Prince and and, Mar- and Marvin Gaye's career kind of got the premature close of it. Didn't allow us to see where else it was going post sexual healing, mm-hmm. which I kind of think is the same, not the same thing because it wasn't the same amount of time, but same kind of thing with Biggie, right? Like we had to put a close on something that it could have went somewhere different, but we don't know, so we just have to hold it what it is. But like. Michael Jackson and Prince confounded the expectation. I mean, uh, you know, Prince and Stevie Wonder confounded the expectations. Michael Jackson, I mean, also did too. But then it's kind of like, yeah, at what point is it black music or is a black person doing the music? So it's black music, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if a black person is doing it well, then shit, it's black, right? Um, and I think they both pressed us as well as other artists kind of on that space. Yeah. And, 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 right? I, and, and I think it's... I mean, a, I think Bob Marley, and I, I even... Yeah, like the, Bob. The element of Bob Marley pressed us on, is this an R&B song? Right. Is this... is Literally, is this just kind of like an American love song <laughs> sung by a Jamaican? <laughs> like, right. Like, what's happening here? But we like yeah. it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And... It goes, I was thinking of Nina Simone, but I was thinking of in, in the context of like the, the person and their oh, like, yeah. creative edge creates this own, this bubble, right? That's like, it's them. So if they're singing, if they're singing jazz ballads that maybe people would have known from the 40s, when they do it, it's something. It becomes else. theirs. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, and no, no. Like they're associated it. with the other thing. It's like Luther Vandross singing them songs in the 80s, which some of them were like, 50s ballads, but I'm like, I don't care whoever wrote it in the 50s. He ain't he owned it. Well, no, it's like this world with mine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, when someone told me that if this world was mine was sung before a Tammy Terrell and them, it was Marvin Gaye Tammy Terrell, right? Like, but when he sang it, it felt like it was his song forever. But yeah, you you do get you do get seminal artists who kind of reframe. Um, what it means to have black art. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, you know, I guess the last example I'll give is I, I shared uh, in my, my nascent Instagram posting, but in my story, like, listening to try a little tenderness, Otis Redding, and then finding all these other, you know, renditions of try a little tenderness from Frank Sinatra and Peggy Lee and all these people. And I'm like, I don't care about none of them other ones. The one Otis Redding song, that's the one that identifies with the, <laughs> with the way I show up in the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. The, these other ones, I'm glad somebody wrote it and y'all sung it, but I can't imagine. But then also the shock and awe that I could have been like, man, I can imagine if you were somebody's pop, like you you listening to Frank Sinatra try a little tenderness, and then your daughter came in and was listening to Otis Redding singing like that, where you might want to go start some sort of a race ride or something. Because you'd be like, man, I, I'd be damned if they're going to take this from <laughs> from Frank. Like, from Frank, from old blue eyes, old like blue eyes. catching the sharks, like West Side Story. But you know, and I will say before we jump, like I think you you bring up a really interesting point of like the musical forms that we had at certain times and how we define who does what. So mm-hmm. if you're like, okay, Stevie Wonder, for example, was like, okay, I'm doing country music. I'm clearly doing jazz. Um, and subsequent albums, he clearly starts tapping into like Brazilian jazz, Brazilian music, uh, you know, Spanish music, you know, 
Um, what I mean by Spanish, for just everyone understanding, is Afro-Latino music. <laughs> Not Spanish. I use the East Coast Spanish, which doesn't really mean Spanish. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to say that because you think about it. Like, I say, oh, man, like Spanish. I'm like, no, dog, you mean Afro-Latino for everybody else. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> um, not flamenco, uh-huh. even though he might do flamenco. Right. But like, and then eventually we see, though, know, he goes deeper in, you know, I ain't going to stand for it when he did that on, uh, on mm. Hotter Than July, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- then he goes into reggae, right? With jamming right. because of his relationship. You, I mean, you see eventually Prince starts kind of going into hip hop ish stuff. Yeah. Later. Right. And so you, you get these artists that got that opportunity to do it. Then I want to I want to put an asterisk by somebody whose career just went somewhere different, but I think was able to interpret themselves through a lot of different music. And that's Rick James. Mm-hmm. I think Rick James was able to interpret his vision. You know, one of my all time favorites, Party All Time by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. You 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 gave voice to Eddie Murphy. You gave voice to Tina Marie. You gave voice to a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean. You did a lot of music right. uh, in the form uh, keyboards and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Rick James versus Prince. What a verse is that? Yeah. Would be? Um, but but it speaks to though something. Um, you know, even like a question, because 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 part of the similar thing is like the the musician and the artist as a person that like that it, that is a, he's created they are creating music. You know what I'm saying? Whatever they're the orient, like, and and so then if they're really like in the zone of creating this music, they're creating the music within whatever they're what's speaking to them, right? And then what they want to say and what they want to sing about, um, or talk about. And there's a a place. You you can think of like, you know, speaking back to our time, you know, you know, engaging in the musical world where you, where you, where you you are conscientious of of your music you're creating at the moment as like a product, <laughs> and whether or not there's a market for it, and what are you going to do, or how are we going to get it out there? You know, now you know the modern technology allows if you go record something, there's it's a very quick path to get it onto something where someone else can listen to it. Now, no guarantee that you'll get anyone to, to connect with it, but you know, right. even that hurdle is gone. But we still, you know, even in our like, you know, well, we from a constraint perspective, you know, the first like tapes we did was like we can only put so much stuff on this tape. It's like you know, twelve minutes, ten minutes, or whatever it was. The right. So we can't put, we can't put. If we recorded seven songs, which uh, we never did, we never had a studio time to record that many songs at once, and then just be like, "Nah, we ain't keeping these ones. We was gonna go with these." So we had to like every thing we every song you did to press make the tape, right? We had to (laughs) we had to commit like this has got to be the one, like, and to think about the like other side of that where you have the space greatly, like you know, you could go record seventeen versions of something. You know what I'm saying, or or. You know, you know. However, the, the like the prolific ability that Pac had late to like just you know like man, how many records was Pac recording? But then it's like, oh, if you just got open access to a studio and the musicians and the people that do the stuff and like yeah, we're gonna get up in the morning. You know, the way someone who you know is a writer like for a living gets up and writes for four to six hours every day with some breaks, they got a whole lot of re- stuff written. 
it may or may not be good, but they wrote a lot of it, right? And and that uh opportunity musically is doesn't always it's not always something that everyday people can afford without uh you know sacrificing something or deciding, you know, like listen, listen, mom, I'm working on this. Once I get this done, believe me, I'm, I'm gonna break through. I just need to stay up here in this room <laughs> for a couple more months. I'm gonna be there. You know what I'm saying, girl? Just, you gotta believe in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. You get to believe in me. I'm just gonna, just gonna drop. You know what I'm saying? But I think that also touches to, you know, kind of the, the, the second part of our dialogue and like, when do people make their best music? Mm-hmm. And looking at R&B and looking at like, okay, Stevie Wonder starts at 13, 14, debatable, might have been 12. Right, right. He starts at a certain time. He comes into he made good music prior to that, classic music, but he comes into a classic period. And that's the the thing I've been thinking so much about. When do you do a classic a classic album versus a classic period of your music? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of other artists and a lot of other genres, we can debate a classic album versus a classic period for that artist. Mm-hmm. A lot of hip hop artists, their first albums are classics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We call them classics. That's normally because that's all their experience played out. Right, right. Just, and then, kind of as it goes on, you know, it kind of gets questionable. I mean, you have some outliers, right? Mm-hmm. I think Outcasts are an example of outliers where they had, I think they had a classic period. I think they were some of the first had a classic period, but we didn't frame it as such when it was happening because we've always been like, who's better than somebody else at certain time to kind of male bravado element of hip hop. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been a thing of like, okay, everything you got out your system in your first album was like, that was the most important thing you had to say. And then the rest of this stuff is you just kind of skating a bit. Right. Because the art had just hasn't been around long enough. You think about even people like Dayla and Tribe, obviously. You think about Slick Rick, right? Rakim, like, okay, Rakim comes out in 86. By 92, you may not, you don't call Don't Sweat the Technique a classic album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can argue his first two were bona fide. It's up to someone in their musical taste of Let the Rhythm Hit Them, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but by Don't Sweat the Technique, you're having a way different conversation. You know, Dre is a little different, but I would even, you know, again, it's almost like NWA's first real album, Straight Outta Compton. Okay, the second album, by that time, they're separated. You get niggas for life, right? Mm-hmm. But then everything goes haywire. You see what I'm saying? Ice Cube. You can you could, you could probably argue America's Most Wanted, definitely. And what was the second album? Uh... Uh, oh, yeah, it wasn't the predator, it was the album between it was uh, American. Uh, oh, it's our death, death certificate, yeah. Death certificate. death certificate is the yeah, because so because what's it? It's always weird because the 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 because America's most wanted, and then you got the kill it will EP, and then you got death and then death certificate, yeah. right? So you got America's most wanted, which again is him pent up after not being with Dre and them. He comes to New York, drops everything, right? Changes the world. He put he blends West Coast uh, wordplay, West Coast storytelling, 
with East Coast Beats, right? Mm-hmm. Then you get Killer Will. Um, I guess I would say, I, I should say as a, as a I, I always think of Kill at Will and Death Certificate as kind of better than De- than than America's Most Wanted. Than America's Most Wanted. Well, you know what? I think they're more developed albums. I mean, to this point, I think America's Most Wanted is raw, right? It's it's PE and arguably their best, right? And it, I mean, the, the Bomb Squad rather. It's it's Cube with a point to prove. Right. So you usually get a really you we never saw that. Like we never saw a marriage of West Coast storytelling, East Coast, uh, what's the name? Yeah, production. Kill at Will. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Like the production style and yeah. yeah. Kill at Will is like a holdover, clearly some stuff that came from Marriage Most Wanted with my favorite line. Um but I don't party and shake my butt. I leave that to the brothers with the funny haircuts. <laughs> Um, <laughs> jacket for beats, and, and so then you get into Death Ticket, which becomes a much more mature Ice Cube because now he's in the NOI, right? right. So I think that's where you get that period. So I mean, but we're still talking about eighty nine and ninety two, right? Like we're not talking about a huge period, right? Because you know we're still talking about like three years, and there's and there's three albums, there's two albums in the EP in three years. So I think we we've had it, but we've never defined it. But now hip hop being as old as it is, we now had this space of 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 Nas and this you know the King Disease trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think becomes really really important because I submit that Nas is going through a classic period when you look at you know Illmatic. And Illmatic being, and I saw something actually on Instagram today was interesting. It was someone talking about like as good as Illmatic was, Illmatic didn't like rule the streets. Illmatic was a classic album that you know from kind of like the writing industrial complex of the source, which I thought was really fascinating. Mm. Like it was saying that like Wu Tang, the end of the Chronic coming into Snoop. I mean, you know, so Chronic going into Snoop. Allow scratch where my homies, you know, particular songs of that time, right? Yeah, yeah. Warriors drum by King Just, right? How about some hardcore? Like, like those were the songs that defined that moment. Nas's album was like the first one that was held up by all by people that would be like, "This is a good album." Like that in organized confusion, right? <laughs> if you remember the, that album, like. People was like, that's a good album. The source said it. Right. And right so it was right. interesting that, that that he presented that that like, no, dog, like this was the streets took Nas in, obviously, but there was a host of other music that was out that was like playing on all the mixtapes, right? Mm-hmm. Because Illmatic is not a mixtape album, and we could go deep into that, but it's not a mixtape album. No, nah, no. Nah. Ready to die. Ready to die is much more of a mixtape album than Illmatic. But so, but you get this. You get ready. I mean, you get Illmatic. You get it was written, which was Nas's ability to try to sell. But 
being overwhelmed by all that was big and by Jay being having like at that point, kind of the person that seemed to be the most like on an authentic, more authentic. Mm -hmm. You get the hate me now debacle. And to me, that denies no good beats period (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, let, let last a long time. Uh, um, In fact, you can argue besides still Matic. I appreciate him acknowledging that. And like they're, they're talking about, you know, pick good beats. I'm like, yo, guys, I gotta keep it real with you, fam. It's a window in there. I was like, I kind of like what he's saying. I'm not really like the this all isn't coming together for me musically. Like you you're rapping good. Sometimes I'm not totally know where you're going. And then this beat ain't really doing it for me. I'm kind of out, bro. I'm gonna wait for the next one. I think a lot, I think a lot of people were out, but then Jay-Z and them at the same time, Jay and them get a a band of the a band of producers unlike hip hop had ever seen probably since the chronic right all together you get bink just blaze and kanye west all making music for y'all at the same time right so then jay kind of rises you get still Matic, which i think people had songs off then i still think he goes into the kind of ether right pardon the pun <laughs> then i think he drops life is good my, I submit and surmise that Life is Good is the first grown person hip hop album. And the reason I say that is because that's the first album that's actually coming into like, I just divorced my wife. <laughs> Things aren't going well. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on music here that does, that, that sounds melancholy. Because I'm not really a happy camp, but clearly I'm still rich, right? <laughs> like it, it was like that, you know. It, it wasn't quote, it wasn't here, my dear, by any yeah, stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it wasn't over there, but it was. It definitely was a lot of you know. I'm I'm, I'm older than I than I used to be, and going through some things, and you know what I mean, and I got. I got you know, but I guess life overall, though. But you know, I'm still here. I got. I think I don't know if that's at the beginning or once. Like I think that's around the same window we begin to learn. You know, like Nas as investor <laughs> that he may have yeah. financial positions and other things where, like, actually, you know, even if them early albums wasn't super big sellers, he has built up. You know what I'm saying a a kitty, so to speak. uh, Yeah, no, I mean, it's where you come into, like, some of this, like, challenge. Now, it's funny in hip-hop where you start having a, you know, uh, a midlife crisis is at 30-something instead of 40-something, right? You start having a midlife crisis at, like, 35, (laughs) 36, right? But, But I think that, you know, then he's an artist everyone respects, and I think that gives way to the beginning of his classic period, which I'm going to submit, starts with the Kanye album. As jagged as the Kanye album is, um, it starts there. It starts with Nas kind of bringing himself back to the space as like an artist that needs to be dealt with as at this age versus what we find in hip hop, meaning trying to be a kid. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest part of this conversation. That's what I'm saying. Like, Life is good didn't sound like he was trying to sell to 20 year olds. Right. And then in his successive albums, he was not trying to sell to 
young people, which is where I think then hip hop goes into this different space. And even the Kanye album, like there are no singles. There are nothing. There's nothing there. That's like, hey, everybody, you're going to go buy this. This is like this it's jagged. It's weird. This is the one that you're going to go dance to. But and I and I wonder it, it gives me the thought because because when you look at it as a whole, or even this this run, like th- this run of records brought me back to like listening to Nas records. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, Nas got a new record out. I should, I should go listen to it. And it was a window where I'd go like, I'm gonna get around to it. Y'all let me know if it is a song I really, 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 really need to hear right now. Cause it's almost like it's like seeing your favorite uh you know your favorite if you if you was you know, you liked football when you was young and you saw Lawrence Taylor at peak Lawrence Taylor and then you saw Lawrence Taylor in like ninety five like whatever the year right before he, when he retired was like every once in a while Lawrence Taylor still could turn the corner on the tackle the way he used to but he couldn't do that shit no more and it, it, you remember the other one the 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 giant cocaine snort terrorist that would destroy a football game <laughs> by himself on defense. Right. Like from the deep from an outside linebacker position would control an entire football game, which is bananas. Absolutely. Right. And so you'd be like, I don't want to, I don't want to see Lawrence Taylor bending his not able to turn the corner no more. I want I, I want to remember the dude from the world of chores and a couple other tracks. I want to hear this dude, you know, I, I don't know what he got to say, but to see him sort of you know, really like establish a voice uh, in a sense. And, and then, and then, and, and, and definitely like, you know, I think you hit on it there saying like, like that I'm not trying to like squeeze in this song. That's the commercial song. Like I'm just making songs that are songs. <laughs> like these are the songs that are speaking to me. These are the songs and this is the theme. There's not a, you know, and I don't know if, if, if that's something to do with, I mean, I, I would think it has something to do with his development as an artist, at least um just looking at the body of the work through these 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 successive uh projects over the last uh, three and a half four years um but the idea that like yeah i i um you know and, and i think actually a very in a very appropriate way if you have a generation of folks who some maybe more than others but at least entertain the idea that like getting to be a 40 or 50 year old man was some sort of high-end wager that then you get to be a 40 or 50 year old man and you have 40 or 50 year old man experiences and questions and also though you know you've become successful at this thing you ventured out to do how do you you know how do you talk about that like how do you speak to that and and i think that there's you know we we you know we got various tv shows that engage the idea of survivor's remorse and like when folks folks feel you know maybe some sort of way about their personal success or you know folks that are just like yeah this is what i plan to do and that's why i am a you know uh you know successful in my professional endeavors whatever that may be or i'm um i'm a pillar in my community you know what i'm saying i'm a, I'm a member of my family like you know we need hip-hop for them too like we don't we, we don't need all we don't just need songs about how you know we lost somebody or I'm, you know, still I'm trying to duck the feds, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to get out the street life. Like, there's a point where yeah. folks, you know, were, were very acquainted or tangentially acquainted with those realities where you're like, yeah, actually, my day-to-day life still has very real stressors, but it's not those stressors. <laughs> and, you know, 
Um, and like, how does someone making songs about that? I mean, and I think that's an interesting space of like, I'm going to, you know, and this is not demeaning to them, but that you get like the little brother space mm-hmm. where they'll talk about like, hey, man, I'm about to go have one drink instead of three. Right. <laughs> but like they're not perceived as like the premier wordsmiths of their generation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's that that totally becomes a vibe where you're like, okay, I might go listen to Little Brother's new album, Fonte's new album, right? Versus like the guy that did Hate Me Now with, you know, <laughs> on, or, you know, with a fur on on top of a of, of a bodega <laughs> is doing something. And, and and I mean, I think you make a great point though around the idea of what it means to get old in hip-hop and does that mean that you are primarily a business person versus an artist and i'm going to call that like the jay-z elephant in the room Mm -hmm. because it's like if you get old if you get older and do hip-hop then you then you have beats and you're dr dre right Mm -hmm. (laughs) right right. if you get older you're jay-z with puma you you see what I'm saying? Like at some point, you're you're not really in the you're not really in the season of artistry, right, right? Right. So I think what's unique about this kind of trilogy in space is that like no, you're still fundamentally being an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have investments and stuff, but you're not defining yourself by that as much as you are by actually doing a good album. And I think it opens it up for now, that broader kind of space. And it, it, for to not be defined by being like, OK, well, I'm Jay and I can't I can really only do this for so many hours a day because I'm Jay-Z. Right. So. I can't really be writing rhymes all day. I can't really do 50, 60 songs in two years because even if we imagine there are four albums, there were six albums on the, on the Kanye joint, six songs on the Kanye joint. These, these are about 10, 11 songs deep. So you essentially are talking about like 50, you know, at least just with him and hit boy, you're talking about like 50 songs in two years two and a half, three years, yeah. right? Which that kind of output, the only person that's matching that kind of output at this point is Griselda. Yeah. Right? There's And there's no singular artist matching that level of output right now. So, and, and that's why I, th- I thought it was interesting. And I think history, history will record this part of his career differently. Mm-hmm. because of that because again just from a very like be being prolific like you know, i just did 50 songs and while you could range none of the 50 are bad <laughs> some yeah. of the 50 are better than others but none of the 50 are actually bad songs yeah 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 it, it, it's a very you know like i said it, it, it creates an interesting because when you like you look at it in a snapshot they give you like scroll on like you know on the streaming app and you go oh, okay and like and then there's like it, you know uh, it, it's you got the King's Disease it's got it was written kind of I guess being put re-released King's Disease two Magic and then King's Disease three and like oh wow like man nice nah, snuck snuck another record in there didn't even have the same name 
look at this guy. He's just out here making music, which exactly. You know what I mean? Which is like he's just out here making music, and it's not hip hop that we're framing for like this grand, like this grand thing for that for artists that are older. You kind of get this feel of like when they come out with a project, it had it's like this grand function versus like, hey, I just released an album. I mean, I think from the jazz ethos of like, oh yeah, just played with somebody and we we recorded for three months and here's an album. Here you go. Here it is. Go let's check it out. Y'all should y'all should listen to that. You know what I mean? And you know, and I I wonder if the you know, I think if you juxtapose it sort of to what thought has been doing where he still does, you know, the, the the roots, which is his band. He's very adamant about, like, I'm part of a band. And then he goes over and does, like, the start thing. He's doing these, you know, these EPs, and he's rhyming his ass off. You know, it, it's, it's in a different uh, structure, you know what I mean? Because obviously he functions differently musically. But both of them speak to a, like, I, 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 I am a musical artist. Like, I like to make music. Like, that's the thing that I do. And so mm. I'm following up making music right like i'm not right I, i'm not yeah a music and then uh, you know i'm this other thing too it's like i make music so i'm gonna keep making music right right i do other stuff but i make music right and i i, I think you're i mean even your point of like one of the thought albums being done with salam remy the other one with sean c right then the last one with danger mouse right yeah. so these are three dramatically different producers well, the first one was with Ninth Wonder and his crew, right? Mm-hmm. So you literally have four different sets of people making four different albums. You, you know what I mean? And, no, and these are the kind of things that allow us to get a juxtaposition. Like, okay, how does Black Thought sound with Danger Mouse? How does Black Thought sound with Sean C? How does Black Thought sound with Salam Remy, right? We got four albums with Hit Boy and Oz. So you have a period project right mm-hmm. you have a thing like you don't have a there were 11 producers which again i think in you know from another time we would have said hey man just get a song with everybody and then hope this, the project comes together <laughs> right like let's just you know like illmatic right which kind of gave that feel like hey you know just do a project with all the good producers and see how it comes out do we all like it right which then which then i think illmatic kind of gave birth to that and then now we're seeing a totally different kind of conversation where hip hop artists are, in my estimation, kind of conducting themselves much more like jazz artists. Yeah. yeah. Or much more like, you know, kind of classical. Like there's a there's a producer or producers creating an entire product, right? Or project for sound wise, right? Not just like your favorite producer did a beat on here. Yeah. So you should go listen to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It gave me as I was listening to this this week, um, you know, and kind of making, you know, multiple listens and, and then scanning through and then some other stuff I, I, that I've been listening to. Like it, it made me ask questions about like what Kendrick and TDE and like the crossover with like the Jazz is Dead folks and Adrian Young and all these other like because there's you know, there's music that's in Kendrick's catalog, but is also a Ter- you know, it's Terrence Martin, it's uh uh Kamasi Watch. Watch is all these other folks involved 
in whatever capacities. I, I haven't looked through the liner notes to figure it out, but just listen, you know, you hear the song like, oh, wait a minute. So wait, was y'all like, how is this working? Were y'all just hanging out in the studio? Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it planned? Is it like, how are these people coming together to make music? And then you like juxtapose that with the, like the way, you know, I, I think hip hop comes out now where it's like, yeah, I work with this person and we, we was over here and, you know, maybe in a way that at the at that level or the, the the large label or the large production level where you you have a, you know, we went to Boca Raton to to record the album. You know, what I mean, or we we went out to L.A. and you know to the whatever in uh, Santa Monica and worked on the record, and then you know then I came back to Brooklyn or you know went back to Queens or I went back to you know, wherever right. Atlanta, wherever the person lives as an artist. Um, the the you know, I think it's a good thing for us as people who would hope to enjoy your music that that the artists have the there's a structure in place. You know, again, I know they don't make as much from streaming as they would if we was all buying these records. Um, at least in the U.S., I don't know what happens overseas. Uh, but the 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 benefit of like oh, you're witnessing a moment, you know, from this person where later you go like, yeah, man, you got to see the stuff they was doing when him and and Ron Carter was beating up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if it was, you know, you know, when you figured it, when I learned that like jazz artists, like you knew names and you'd be like, oh, wow, like these people are all over, they're all over each other's records, all over the place. Like, even if it's so, you know, a Coltrane record, it's the same crew is on there. And this is a McCoy Tyner record, but oh, also what's the name is on the thing. Oh, this person is on this. And, you know, it, it's like almost something that was, disguised in the way that you would consume music or at least we're thought to think of music as the name on the label as opposed to the group and everyone that was assembled to make that happen i mean i would even wager like the way illmatic as a record got made is probably something we won't ever really see again i mean i think actually in a sense we saw people saw even Nas trying to redo records that way and it wasn't working because i because i don't i mean yeah i mean way to do it even even the conversation about like, if you, let's think about a lot of the albums that we thought were great albums prior. They were like one or two producers, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even when Dre did the Chronic, it was like a collection of Dre producers with Dre for collective sound. Same thing with Dog Pound. I mean, with 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 Snoop, Wu Tang was RZA, Fourth Disciple, True Master, right? Um, the conversation about, you know. If you like America's Most Wanted, if you like Death Certificate, those were artists. Those were done by one, either one or a couple of artists. Yeah, yeah. Well, Illmatic kind of broke the mold. Yeah. Obviously, the Gangstar albums, right? You can yeah. look at Too Short. You want to go to West Coast? You can look at Too Short and look at Dangerous Music and the Ant Banks and the guys that made his beat music, right? Mm-hmm. Down South, like the people that made Scarface's stuff. No ID, doing common. I mean, you can look and, and it's actually yeah, it's more different that model, right? Until Illmatic that made everyone do something different. Then Jay had to go get a Primo beat. Mm-hmm. Then you had to go get a Timberland beat, and I think that lasted a certain time. And now we're back to it, and we're back to more of a collegial atmosphere. And even like Rock Marciano doing the album with the Alchemist recently, right? Like. Mm-hmm. you're just seeing more of this 
And I think I actually want to put forth that I think it's a good space for hip hop across the board that this is happening. Obviously, it's it's easy to get caught up in whatever slash baby or <laughs> young blankety blank or <laughs> you know little Jojo from down the block, right, right? Right, right? And then framing that as a music, but you can't frame it as a fifty year old music any more than you could say that Miles Davis was making music at the same time Kenny G was. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not to not Kenny G, right? Because <laughs> I think Kenny G's whole history is a little deeper than we think. But my point is like, it's all there now. So when we're looking at hip hop, we have to be really careful not to define it by the musical tastes of a 20 year old. Right. I think hip hop perpetually went to the taste of 20 year old. And now we're at a place where it's not going to the taste of 20 year olds right now. So we have to look at the music as like representative that it can be. There's music for 20 year olds. There's music for 30 year olds. You know what I mean? There's music for like folks that want to go on a cruise and see Big Daddy Kane and Chub Rock and Ed OG perform. Right. Right, there's, right. there's, There's all of that. There's Nas doing what he's doing. There's Pusha doing what he's doing. Right. There's like this thought doing what he's doing. So like you don't have to limit it. And from there, I think you can see the combinations of black music in like a healthier way yeah. or this form of black music. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One footnote to add just as a, for folks to look at. I was someone a couple maybe a month or two ago. I don't remember. But they had mentioned like hip hop producers and their runs. And I and I had framed if you think about Eric Sherman in the context of like EPMD's, you know, first four records versus like Eric Sherman solo producer, you think of Eric Sherman differently because he like, you know, you you did them four records um, up through, uh, you know, what I'm saying, uh, was it business never personal. Yeah, that's the last. You know, what I'm saying like where we we, we most folks would say. You know, he moved more into the Death Squad stuff and and other things, but mm-hmm. you know, and I and I thought about it from the perspective of like the way we would maybe look at like a classic rock albums. You know, what I'm saying if you look to you know you know the strictly business, unfinished business, business as usual, business never personal. That's a hell of a run, like for anybody in music to make them four records. Like if you just did that, oh, and then you never had no other good ideas, but they was you'd be fine, right? You'd be like, yo, right. you, did you did you hear those four records though? <laughs> that was amazing, and I think it's it speaks to sort of that like that window. It's it's similar. I mean, you know, and then you know you have the other side of like if those groups don't stay together, and you know, and I think you can do say the same thing. I mean, I I mean, I guess I've, I've stated my like case for the 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 bands were better than individuals <laughs> case for early hip hop um or more important to me just as the music I actually listened to. You know what I mean if you think of EPMD, De La, Gangstar, uh even uh I can't buy accident, Crab Call Quest. Um you know as much as I, I mean there's really not it's really not an, I mean here's the thing besides Kane, yeah, G Rap, but I me mean, BDP was a collective you know, Rakim was Eric being Rakim. Yeah, there's really not individuals, right? Like, once Curtis Blow kind of left, and you have that, you know, that sense of, like, really just you being like, oh, man, there's an individual artist. I want to go here. Because, you like, to your point, I mean, you're saying Houdini, right? <laughs> you're saying, you know, 
Heavy D and the Boys, right? With with Pete Rock producing and and Teddy Riley, right? Like your 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 framing is entirely different. And again, I think it breaks down to like the cycles of an industry where the industry most of our take on how the thing functions is when it became most like financially viable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which itself is just one of the challenges, frankly, with American capitalism, where we're like, we like something when like someone made the most money from it, even if it wasn't you. Right. Like that means it's better. And it's like, is it? I yeah. Guess. Like that's, well, lots of people pay for it. Okay. I, I suppose. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, so, all right, you know what? I'm going to hold the other thought I had because, you know, we're going to focus on the positive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do want to put this out there, and I'm thinking through this, so, you know, at one point we'll return to it. Yeah. I do wonder if Kendrick Lamar's last album is almost like a really good Hear My Dear. Eh. Not in the sense of his problems, like Marvin Gaye, it's just real clear challenges. <laughs> like, here, my dear, we all talk about it's beautiful, but it's like some twisted shit on there, dog. Like, yeah. like you just do a throwaway album to like to harass your ex wife. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's, <laughs> I don't know if you watched the most recent, the last season of, of Atlanta, but <laughs> there's an episode related therapy that. <laughs> That hear my dear in that episode have a relationship. <laughs> no, I mean that's real. I don't spoil you know, for people, but <laughs> those of us who love music all like hear my dear, but it's kind of like you know that's a twisted. That, you know some of that music out that, that the, the confines, not necessarily music, but the parameters. But anyway, yeah, like yeah, 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 absolutely. The most that like the Kendrick album is like an album where he went to go do something that we that the collective of people just didn't understand. It doesn't mean it was a bad thing. In fact, it was a good thing to talk about dealing with his challenges. But I just wonder if, like, where people are today, we're ready to engage an individual's challenges, especially when it seemed like he was Superman prior. But believe that for yeah, yeah, we come back to that because you know I got I got strong feelings about this. That's Kendrick record. You know what I'm saying? That I like it. (laughs) So I'd be like I'm. Something wrong with me. I'm like, something wrong with me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, nothing wrong with me. I'm pretty sure about that. You know, you know. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I, I'm a, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a person that has a certain sense of, uh, how you say, uh, I guess humble is the word people use. I don't know if that's the one I like, but you know, I understand. I ain't always right, but you know, I be right a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you playing <the> averages. <laughs> I got, you know, say it. Keep it real. Your record, your record's good. Yeah, but my my, my 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 stats say, you know what I'm saying? I'm out here. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. If we was keeping stats on some of this stuff, it would say look at the justice up there and uh, you know, good decision for You'd be on the top of the good decision fantasy football league. Yeah, <laughs> like, man, this guy, he stays up there to, every time we run the numbers, he's up there with the with the high high achievers, you know, or whatever. But more word. So with that, uh, I mean, I guess I'll say as a close, it is two things. One, go listen to Talking Book. If you ain't got no culture and never listen to Talking Book, you know what I'm saying? Get yourself together. <laughs> Who raised you, man? <laughs> Out here. Walking around talking about, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, go listen to the record, man. I mean, as a side note, maybe actually I might save that for one of my Justice Mostly True Love stories. But I had a a, a young woman over his company and I put on the talking book. You know what I mean? Because I was like, you know what I mean? This is what I listen to when I'm in here. And I made, you know, one of my first forays into making a spaghetti without, you know, meat in it, which I didn't realize I could have just made nice tomato sauce and not put nothing in it. But I decided to put tofu in it and it just went really weird. But hey, man, that's one thing it just doesn't go together. <laughs> you can do a lot with tofu, but spaghetti ain't the one. Right, there, spaghetti's not the one. I didn't know that at the time. But but guess who wasn't wrong? Talking book wasn't wrong. That was the right music. Even <laughs> <laughs> right, right music, wrong recipe. Yeah. So, <laughs> but we'll come back to that at a later date. So, yeah. Also, and again, you know, go check out. Uh, you know, I would, li- I would actually recommend listening to if you've not listened to these all of these King's Disease records kind of to, to, to go through them. It's some great, it's some great stuff in there. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and just as a man of a certain age, you know, I, I feel like I can listen to it and I feel like a younger person could listen to it and get something from it too. And not just feel like they're listening, you know, to old men. To old man complaining. Yeah. No, that's my closing thought. Anything? Hey man, I second you. Go listen to Talking Book and open yourself up to Stevie and go even even listen to Secret Life of Plants, man. Um, you know, give it a give it a try. And also for people who consider themselves saying it down, there's no good hip hop out. That's not true. Um, you know, and for people who don't, you know, give the Griselda Boys a try. I mean, there's some gratuitous gratuitous drug talk. However. Again, the the level of being prolific, and I think what they're actually trying to add to an artistic take on hip hop um, is is worthy of a listen. Indeed, indeed. All right, so well, with that, I'm gonna say peace, peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Thank you for listening to the podcast and you can support the podcast best by listening, uh, rating and subscribing wherever you listen and then sharing, 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 sharing Um, in the season that some say the holidays or what have you, this end of the year time, you know, go ahead and uh, do do somebody you love a favor by sending them an episode of the podcast that you found particularly enjoyable Uh, and other news. You know, same stories last time. More to come in the near future. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that you will continue to listen. Um, you can also support the podcast by looking up me, Justice Raji, on Patreon and become a patron. Your monthly contribution allows me to cover the cost of keeping uh, this particular creative project on the internet. Um, and then, um, you know, the next level from there is, uh, you know, Maybe we do more. Maybe we do some live events sometime in the future as we build this thing up and uh, get to the next place. But I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And, um, you know, stay safe. Peace.